Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Every human heart has three God-given inner needs. Everybody, no matter what your gender, age, or whatever, everybody has these three inner needs because God gave them to us. The need for love, the need for significance, and the need for, somebody shout, security. When we speak of love, we're talking about this need to know that someone is unconditionally committed to me. You love me not because of what you think I can do for you or what I have done for you in the past. You love me really just for me. Everybody has that need. Everybody has the need of significance to know that my life actually means something, that I'm not just existing just to be here, but I know that my life, it has meaning, it has purpose. And then finally, security, which is found within your tribe, which was found within your family to feel acceptance and a sense of belonging. Somebody say everybody. Everybody has these three God-given needs. Now, in relation to these needs, I love what June Hunt says. She says, in, in, her, in her work, uh, Biblical Keys to Counseling, she says, when the God-giving needs for love, significance, and security are not, watch this, adequately met, this is what happens. Two, self-esteem and confidence are diminished, which often lays the foundation for codependent relationships. When this need for love, when this need for significance, when this need for security is not met, my, my confidence, my self-esteem is lowered, diminished, and it puts me in a place where I am a target to, to, to be in codependent relationships. When we speak of codependency, we're talking about excessive emotional reliance on a partner. So you do extra stuff to get attention. You make extra, sometimes unnecessary sacrifices just to get love out of somebody. So when we look at Leah, I mean, the scripture is pretty clear that not, not only did the narrator highlight this, this idea that she's the least favorite daughter, but this is also the, the thought of the father, that, that I have two daughters and there's one that's tender-eyed, but then I have another one that's beautiful. And then when she does get married, man, check this out. She goes into the tent. The father brings her into the tent. I'm sure lovemaking was good. I'm sure the moment was good. It was enjoyable because maybe, no, not maybe, yes, because she was a virgin. First time in her life she had a man to embrace her. Only for the daylight to break and the arms that was wrapped around her now pushes her away because I see it's you, Leah. So Leah grows up in the house. The first man that makes love to her rejects her, so there's an emptiness on the inside of her, so she is a great candidate for codependency, doing things out of the norm just to get somebody to love me. So here's the plight of Leah, Genesis chapter number 29, verse number 31. The Bible declares, when the Lord, and I'm, I'm going to come back to 31, I just want to highlight it. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Watch this, watch this. Surely my husband will love me now because what I'm doing for him. 34 says, again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, 
She said, now, somebody shout now. I'm going to have another kid. Now, at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him, not, not one, not two, but three sons. So she named him Levi. Ooh, 35. She conceived, somebody shout, again. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. I can imagine her going through depression because, man, you got to understand. Oh, yeah, this is where freaky stuff come in right now. When, when, you, when, when you are empty on the inside and you're looking for somebody to fill the void that really only God can fill, you just start, you don't just do excessive stuff. Sometimes you start doing freaky stuff. So somebody shout, somebody shout, she stopped having children. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. She's using her body and her ability to have babies for this man as a tool to try to win his love. So she comes to a place in her life where the thing that I've been using to try to win his affection, I can't do it no more. So Genesis 30 and 9 says, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she became even more freaky. She took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortunes. So she named him Gad. It keeps getting worse, y'all. Leah conceived again. So she started having babies again and bore Jacob six sons. Then Leah said... God has presented me with the precious gift this time after six sons. She's going to have a seventh, a daughter, but after six sons. Now, now, now watch this because the reality is, you know what, I'm, I'm really, I'm talking to the saints. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the people of God because we've been in this series for the past couple of weeks now talking about covenant sex. And, and what I've tried to do, I've tried to paint the, the, the picture that God's, God's view of sexuality. And, and, I, and I, hate to, I hate to admit it, but I've been a part of this as, as, well, in, as well as many of my, my preacher friends that whenever it came to sexuality, we would always have this negative view about sexuality when the Bible, that's not God's view about sex. Sex is a gift that God gives to a married couple to enjoy. So when we was reading from Song of Solomon, some of y'all, it blew some of y'all mind because you ain't never seen that before. Sister girl said, come blow on my garden. Y'all, that's in the Bible? What? <laughs> Let me tell you, all week I've been sending messages out of Song of Songs to my wife. This is what the Bible says, be obedient. All week long, she's been getting messages. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just, just, just. I, I've been dealing from, with sexuality from, from more of a healthy perspective because I, I believe it's right. I believe that it's, it's needed for us, for us here. But now I want to deal with it from an opposite perspective of, for, for those individuals, Jesus, who use sexuality not for the purpose that God intended to express love, but they use their bodies in order to get love. Now, now I want to I be very, very, very transparent, and, and I'm going to be more transparent than I actually would like to uh, on today, because I'm the dude, I, I grew up in the church literally nine months before I got here. I was in the church, y'all. Mama shouting with me in her belly. Do you understand? So, so I know church, 
and, 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 and not throwing rocks at my parents or anything like that, but I didn't hear sexuality from a positive perspective. It was always, no, you bet not. My dad, he'll just bust the room and be like, so are you having sex? And I'm like, not now, but you know, <laughs> you understand? You, so so, so as, a, as a young guy growing up, the, these are the types of scriptures that, that I would hear. Proverbs 6, 26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to what, y'all? Piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire? Talking about sexual temptation. Can he take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can he go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. I've been hearing this word all my life. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will do what, y'all? He's going to judge the adulterer and all, and all the sexually immoral. Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, variance, immolation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and watch this, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not and I've, I've heard this all my life, Revelations 21 and 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, pornea, pornea, that, 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 includes, that includes all sexual relations outside of the confines of marriage. Those who practice magic arts, the, the idolater, idolaters and all the liars, they shall be consigned to the fiery lake of burning. So I, I've been hearing that all my life, so... So many of you guys know my testimony. I shared this, I shared this last week. So my wife, um, she was my first um, to, have, to have intercourse with. My wife, my wife is. But, but this is the truth of the matter. Um, I was a technical virgin when I got married. So, so what, is, what does it mean to be a technical virgin? That means the women you were with, you did everything else but intercourse. So I really can't just say I was a virgin in the sense of the word, in the strict definition I was, but in reality I, I wasn't because everything that you could do up until that point, I actually, I actually did all of, all of that. And, and this, was, this was my issue. Saved at the age of eight years old, been, been, been in church literally all my life, gave my life to Jesus Christ at eight years old, and my dad was the one, he trained me in the word of God. You're talking about somebody, that Bible drill, shucks, all day long. My sisters then, when they got into trouble, they got whoopings. When I got in trouble, I had to read my Bible. Boy, you prayed today. Get in there. Get in there and pray. Yes, Father. <laughs> my punishment was reading my Bible. My punishment was getting in the Word. My punishment was praying. So my dad trained me, skillful in the Word of God. So all of these scriptures about thou shalt not have sex, that you shouldn't have sex, that you shouldn't commit fornication, it was in me, and it lasted all the way until I was about 17 to 18 years old. Hooked up with this girl. She wasn't a believer. And things became sexually very fast. Very, very fast. We started doing a whole bunch of stuff that I had never done before. And here's the deal. Say that eight, called the preacher when I was 13 years old. So from 13 all the way to this point, there's an anointing upon my life to minister. Although I'm not fully ordained, I'm still preaching. People are calling me to do youth revivals, youth conferences, and all the other kind of stuff. So I'm speaking the word of God. I'm very active in my church, but I got this secret life on the side 
that's eating me up because I'm doing stuff. I got I know just enough scriptures to convict my own self. You ain't got to tell me I'm wrong. I, I know I'm wrong all day long. Here's my problem. I can't stop. I want to stop. Do you know how many times I broke up with that girl and, and, and got back together and we made promises? We ain't going to never do it again until five minutes later. Come on. Over and over and over. And I was frustrated because I knew I loved God. Man, you can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, I had a crazy love for God. I made all types of sacrifices for God. I had a relationship with God. But, but, but it came a point in my relationship with that, that, that when this called my name, as much as I loved you, I would always fall again. And so I figured out what the problem was. I broke up with her. Because you're the problem. And I got with somebody else and started doing the same thing with her that I was doing with. Tell you, being more transparent than I really would like to today. Young guy preaching and teaching the word of God and very skillful. Very, very skillful. But I got this problem. And the reality is, felt like I couldn't go to my elders because they gave a perception that they were living so holy and I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting them. They, they just gave us such an oar that they had never failed in their life before. And because they held me to such high self, high esteem, surely I couldn't tell them who I really was and I struggle and I struggle and I struggle. And then something happened. Somebody shout something happened. Watch this. I'm gonna fast forward. Something happened. Well, I broke free. I'm good. I got free from that. I, I literally got free. And for the next 10 years of my life, I lived in fear, mental torment. And this is why I was in torment. Because now, fast forward 10 years later, I'm pastoring a church. I have wife. I have children. And I remember a time in my life where something had a stronghold on me. I'm thankful that I'm not bound anymore, but my problem is, I don't know how I got free. All I know is something happened that caused me not only not to want that life no more, but to walk away for the last time and say, not only am I not doing it anymore, but all parameters that need to be set up that will stop me from falling into bed with somebody like that, I pull them up, and 10 years later, I'm free, but I'm in fear because I don't know how I got. So I start getting nervous because watch this, pastoring, committed to my wife, love my children, but it was a point in my life where the devil started sending everything fine around me again. I'm going to be more transparent than I would like to today. Fine around me, sexy around me, and no, I don't want it. I really want my wife, but if I happen to fall, I remember there was a time when I was so stuck and I made promises to God, I swore to God, and I broke those promises over and over again because I was stuck in something that I didn't come out of, but I don't know how I got out of it. So I, I had to, I, I asked God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. 
thank you, Lord, thank you that I'm free. Thank you that I'm not tripping in my flesh over and over again. Thank you that I'm not at that point where I'm making empty promises to you and all the people that I love. Thank you that I'm not at that point, but, but, but I need some help because I don't want to just be free. I want something that's guaranteeing me that I never go back to that. Is anybody in this, place, in this place ever been freed from something and you saying, Lord, I never want to be at that place again? So, 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 so I start asking God, not only how do I get free, but I, want, I start asking God, how in the world was I bound in the first place? Because you're talking about a joker that knew some word. I knew some word. I know scripture, know how to pray. Yeah, I know how to pray. Speak in tongues all day long, prophesy. Gift been on my life for a while. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I ain't doubting none of that, but this struggle that's got me bound. I'm free, but I don't know how I broke out of it, and I need you to help me. This is what God showed me. This is why it was so hard for you to break free from that thing that had you bound. It's because your thoughts were wrong about it. You thought what had you bound was temptation. You thought you was bound because she was so fine. You thought she was bound, you were bound because she was sexy to you. That's why you thought you were bound because you was doing everything in your power to try to resist temptation. But it wasn't temptation that had you bound. It was medication. You, you, don't, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. You're looking at a guy molested by a cousin at the age of six, seven, eight years old. You're looking at a guy who didn't think his mom or dad even cared for him. Is that the truth? No. Mom and dad love me. But you can't embrace nothing you don't see. So if I... My perception, my reality. So those of you guys, anybody in here that grew up me, grew up with me when I was a little guy, and, and you you saw this overachiever, you saw this guy that, that was good in athletics when when, it, when he participated, good and good in band, good in all these other. It, it watch this. I had to be good because my self-esteem and self-worth was on the line. If you didn't tell me that I was good or I performed well, my self-esteem went through the floor. So my problem was rejection, watch this, all of my life. Didn't think nobody wanted me, didn't think nobody cared for me, and this is what the devil does with temptation. This is what he does with sin. He uses sin as a So at the age of 18 years old, the majority of my life, I've dealt and suffered with rejection. Bullied in high school. Never forget, I was walking on, I was, I was in, the, in the third grade, and I was, I was walking. I was walking, getting ready to get on the bus, and a guy spit a loogie. Had, a, had the high top. You, the kid didn't play top. Kid didn't play top, you know. Somebody spit a loogie in my, in my hair. No, it's like to sit on the bus and somebody run. I'm talking about not just thump your head, not just slap your head. Get a running start and just slap you on the head and you can't do nothing. Because if you touch him, you got to fight all his cousins. So you sit there and you shut up. Rejection for all of my life. 
And you mean to tell me, for the first time, a girl makes her body available to me and says, I want you for you. She wasn't temptation. She was medication. So when life happened, and as a young guy, life happened a lot. And I was running and thinking that because she's so fine, she's so sexy. No, when something happened in my life that would highlight the rejection in my heart, the devil would tell me to go take my medicine. I'm, I'm, I'm helping somebody in here because somebody is, is in a homosexual relationship and you ain't even gay. You just with her because she medicine. Because every other man in your life been abusive, have not been the model of what a man of God should be like. And the first person that actually treated you with tender and care was somebody of the same sex, not temptation. The drug addiction is really not an addiction. The cigarette habit is really not an addiction. It's just medication because watch this. Every time you get stressed out, every time you want to go off on somebody, you light up. And you're trying to kick the habit and you're trying to, you, you, you call it temptation, but, but your, your weed, come on somebody, your nicotine, it ain't, it ain't temptation. Your porn addiction is really not an addiction. You got somebody laying in the bed. You got your wife laying in the bed that's available to you, but you keep going. You keep going to a porn site. Why do you keep going to a porn site? I'll tell you why he keep going to a porn site, because for the first time in his life, he gets to approach a woman who never tells him no. And it's easy to go to the computer screen rather than worsen, rather than the opportunity of experiencing repeated rejection by somebody that's real. Your porn addiction is not temptation. The devil keeps driving you there because he wants you to take your medication. Here's the problem. You keep numbing pain that God wants to heal. And this is what God showed me. Jesus. I didn't know how I broke free. I didn't know how I broke. All I know was it came a day that I was able to say, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm walking away. I'm serving God for real. I'm going to walk like a true man of God. I'm tired of this double life. I walked away for real. You know what happened to me? God had to show me. For the first time in my life up until that point, I realized what I was trying to get from people he had already provided. The Bible declares while we were yet sinners, Christ. He didn't wait until I cleaned myself up. He didn't wait until I was righteous. He didn't wait until I was perfect while I was shed in my sins. The Bible declares he had already died. You, you know, what's, what's the scripture we love in Jeremiah, the, the, the thoughts that I think towards you? What, what's, what, 29, 11, what's the scripture, sis? For I know the plans that I have for you. You know he was talking to people that was in exile that had messed up. And he looked at them in a pitiful situation. He says, I see where you are, but I still got something in store for you. You, 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 don't, you don't even understand. Telling me that I'm going to hell didn't help me. Because it only hurt my heart even the more because I really love God. 
And if it hurt in my heart even the more, I had to find something else to try to anesthetize the pain because it reminded me, you reminded me what I'm doing was. But when the scripture came alive to me that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, it wasn't the message of hell. And don't get me wrong, that has a place. That, that has a place. It is a valid message. But this is what I learned about hell. Hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell, hell is a place where people choose to pay for their own sins. So what I learned about hell that helped me is that God don't want me to go there. And I made provisions for you that you don't have to go there, that you can spend eternity with me. This is what happened to me that caused me to break away. Every time pressure would come, it would highlight the pain in my heart. And when the pain would be highlighted, the devil would offer some type of sinful medication to numb the pain. Well, when I got in God's presence, he started healing the pain. And I didn't stop taking medicine just because I didn't want it no more. I stopped taking it because... found out I really didn't need it no more. Love, significance, security is the whole in every human heart. And this is what God does. I, I want to show you this. I want to show you this. God help me. The Bible declares when, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, when he saw that she was empty, loveless, feeling insecure and significant, this is what God did. Somebody shout, he enabled. Now, now, now just, just pause right there. Because what he actually enabled her to do will be different based on the person. What we should praise God for is the fact that when he saw that you were empty, he provided something to fill you. And that's why I can't look at your marriage, your relationship, your job, the things that God is using to emotionally fill you. I can't look at the thing he's using. I just got to look to the God. I'm trying to help somebody. That's why many of us right now are not walking in our path and walking in our destiny because you're looking at somebody else with a fulfilled life and you thinking the thing is actually what fulfills them, but it's not the thing, it's the God that provided the thing and the God that provided that thing is the God that will provide my thing. Somebody shout, God, provide my thing. So God saw she was empty and he enabled this was her problem. She took what God gave her, and instead of honoring the God, she started using what he gave her now as a means to continue to draw love from somebody else. When God says, I am the lover of your soul. I am the one who fills you. I am the one who pours into you. I am the one who will sustain you. So she goes through this process Having babies, now my husband will love me. Having children, now my husband will honor me. Having more babies until something happened. Child after child after child. 
and the same results over and over and over again. I keep taking medication and giving my body away in hopes that the man would love me in return, that he would feel me, but the medication keep wearing off. Until she finally gets to that fourth child, 32 says she became pregnant again and she hollered out, surely my husband would love me now. 34 says again she conceived. Watch this. Now at last my husband will become attached to me. But he doesn't do it. 35 on that fourth boy, something happened. She conceived again and when she gave birth to a son, then she's to a son she said, Somebody shout this time. It's a game changer. I'm done. It's a game changer. Nah, it ain't even about you, Jacob. I don't, I don't care whether you love me or not. Something has switched in my heart now. I've been giving my body. I've been having my body been stretching. Come on, I've got stretch marks on my leg. Y'all, come on, y'all ain't saying nothing in there. I've been going through all of these changes just for your behind, and you ain't noticed me yet. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm finna run in this place. Somebody shout, this time. This time means I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. She has a child, and she names him Judah. What do you mean he didn't do it for Jacob? She did it for him because Jesus, the Messiah, comes out of the tribe of Judah. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. I'm going to get fulfillment out of my life, not because I did something for you, but true fulfillment is coming because I'm doing it for him. Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it ain't about you. It's all about him. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, and I'm done, man. I'm finished. Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures right here, y'all. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And look, look what he did. Look what he did to us. He also has planted, somebody shout eternity. Eternity in men's hearts and minds. Let's press pause there for a second. What's that Eternity. That's a void in your heart. A divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. This is how I got out of that sex trap. Something finally clicked in my head. She's not enough to satisfy the hunger in my heart. And getting rid of her and going to somebody else is still not enough. And then I switched my addiction from women sexually acting out to now success. And what I found out is people can't clap loud enough and long enough to feel the emptiness in my Right now, to this day, my mama, she called me over to the house a couple of months ago. She said, baby, I got something for you. I got excited. 
Mama said she got something for me. I came over to the house right away. I said, what you got, Mom? She said, it's in there in the room, baby, in the box. I go in my room in the middle of my room. <laughs> I go in my old room in the middle of the floor. It's a big old box with all of my plaques, trophies, certificates, everything. I said, Ma, this is what you're talking about? Yeah, take it home, baby. <laughs> Get it out of my house. The thing about my trophies, they didn't shine long enough to feel. The awards that I got, people didn't remember them long enough to feel. When I worked, man, in corporate America, watch this, the raise didn't give, it wasn't enough to feel, I mean, it was, I was excited, I was, you doubled my pay, I was excited, but it wasn't enough to feel the, just wasn't, wasn't enough. Got a fine wife myself. <laughs> and out of all them children she don't gave me, she don't gave me a whole bunch of children, y'all. She don't gave me a whole bunch of children. I want to thank you right now. <laughs> it wasn't enough to satisfy me. What has helped to keep me from repeating the stupidity of medicating pain from my past. I had to trade substances. I, I, I need you to hear me. So, so everybody would, would kind of like agree that it's, I, I mean, like if you got bills, that it's ridiculous to quit a job without already having one in and this is what some of you guys are trying to do. You're trying to give up substance without having a new one. So you keep trying to quit. You keep trying to walk away. But the reality is, if you walk away from this and you don't get him to feel this, In just a few days, in just a few weeks, a few months, you might even last a couple of years. There's something that's going to happen in your life that's going to cause you to tear and rip away from everything just to get back to the medication, to numb pain. Here's the problem, and I'm done. Give me something soft. God don't want to just numb your pain. He want to heal your pain. He want to he heal your pain. I had, since I had a, I had a buddy of mine, had a buddy of mine, he came to me, and uh, a couple of, this was a few months ago, and he said, Greg, you know, you, you are, you know, you could be a little arrogant sometimes. <laughs> and, and so, so, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting, we just kind of having a casual conversation. And I'm doing something, and so I just I put my I shut my computer. I said, "Oh, say so, say so, so, what now?" He said, "No, you can be a little little prideful sometimes. You you can't 
And I said, man, you're you going to have to talk to me. And he tried to change the subject on me. No. I said, watch this. Because according to the Bible, pride comes before. So I need to hear this because I ain't trying to fall. He said, man, you know, you just, you just, you just come in, man. And you just, you know, be like, bah, bah, bah. you know what I'm saying? Just, just so bold and just so, and just, just. And so I, th- I said, I said, this is what I'm going to do, man. I said, this is what I'm going to do. Man, just give me a few days to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. I want to pray about it because, you know, this is a friend. It's one thing an enemy just say, oh, you just, you just, you just, you don't know me. So the friend said, I took it before the Lord, man. And not only did I take it before the Lord, I went and I called all of my mentors because that's a serious charge. And I thank him for, whether he saw it, and you know, whether it's true or not, thank you as a friend for bringing it to my attention because that's a serious deal. Because if you got a friend that won't tell you the truth, you got the wrong friend. Yeah. So I, I picked up the phone uh, next couple of days and I called up my mentors and I just asked them a question. I said, do you see pride in me? Do you see pride in me? And, and all of them said the same thing that I was feeling in my spirit. And, and you know, the type of fathers and mentors that I have, they don't sugarcoat nothing. Nothing. No. So when I came back to him, this is, this is what, what came, this is what I said to him. I said, man, I spent the majority of my life in fear of what people thought about me. My self-esteem was so low, my self-worth was so low because I'd gone through so much, didn't think nobody loved me, didn't think nobody cared for me. And God finally brought me to a place where I don't care what folks say as long as I'm doing what God told me to do. And it wasn't easy getting there. And to be in the reality, it ain't always easy staying there. But God finally brought me to that place where people's opinion outside of God's word don't even matter. And so what you see as conceit, brother, it really is godly confidence. Because there's something that God did in me to help me to stop taking medication. He really healed the rejection in my heart. He healed the pain that was in my heart. So two things that I want to do, two, two things I want to do. Number one, that's, that's why we're starting the small group session in, in September called Freedom. That's because deliverance, can it be instantaneous? Absolutely. I've seen many people. I've seen people, watch this, walk in a service as drug addicts and leave totally I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen. We were in a service. Brother got healed, delivered from drugs. I'm talking about he was, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the type of drug addict where you're stealing your mama VCRs. <laughs> that, that type of, watch this. He got so clean and so delivered. Two weeks later, his whole family came to church and wanted to know what happened. They came up to my pastor and said, what you do to him? <laughs> I'm serious. It, it does happen like that, but watch this. Usually it doesn't happen, and I'll tell you why. Because when I look back over my life, 
the things that God did instantaneous. And then there were some things that he didn't do instantaneous. There's some things I had to ask him to touch me again. It was progressive. Watch this. I'm better. I can't see, but not clearly. I see ministries, so I need you to touch me. Some things instantaneous, then there are some things that are progressive, meaning that, watch this, the desire is still there, but you're struggling, but every day you get better. Every day you want more Jesus and less of that. So in those areas of instantaneous deliverance, God does that because it's in the way of your destiny and it has nothing to do with your destiny, so I quickly removed it. But the thing that I'm going to use, the struggle that I'm going to use that's going to bless countless people, that's the thing that I'm going to leave a desire there and I'm going to teach you how to work through it until you fall in love with me even the more and you want me more than you want that. So what I'm talking about today, this might not be an instantaneous thing where somebody just lay hands on you and you'd be like, no, God healed me. No, there's a progressive healing that's going to take place. But this is your responsibility. Today is your responsibility to say, God, I'm ready to change substances. I admit that I have this this, this drug addiction. I I admit that I have this substance issue. I, I have this anger where I act out, I hurt people, I say hurtful things every time I get in my flesh. The reality is I actually feel better when I say these things. I have this relationship that I know is ungodly. And I know that it's not temptation, it's medication because the only reason I'm with him, the only reason I'm with her is because I emotionally feel better. You know what that's like? It's like water in your lawn while your house is burning down. The grass is better, but you're losing everything else. When I was taking medication, watch this, rejection was better. I felt accepted, but my life was going downhill. My ministry, what God was trying to do on the inside of me as a young man, it was going downhill. So today is the day. I just want to challenge you to say, God, I'm ready to switch substances. I don't want that anymore. I want you, Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.